Service is intertwined into the DNA of leadership. Putting it another way, our strength as leaders is for serving others. According to the National Council of Behavior Health, nearly 70% of all adults in the U.S. will experience a traumatic event at some point in their life. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear. And today's episode, while heavy, is going to challenge and encourage you. Nancy Yarbrough-Banks is my guest today, and her story is one of pain, loss, and sorrow, but also of joy, victory, and defending the vulnerable. We're going to jump right in to the deep end of this weighty conversation as Nancy begins to define some terms that help frame much of our conversation. Here they are. Trauma, exploitation, and sex trafficking. Trauma is anything that actually has a life interruption involved, meaning that trauma could be a divorce, uh, from your parents being divorced. It could be a loss of a loved one, loss to gun violence. It could be domestic violence. It could be uh, being bullied, ostracized, drug addiction. All those things are traumatic events. Exploitation is actually utilizing somebody for your own selfish gain, uh, exploiting somebody's, you know, their youth, exploiting their experience, exploiting their body uh, in the means to get what you want um, for love and acceptance. You wanted them to do things that would please them, but you never had any good intent. Exploitation is one of the biggest factors in the next one that you asked for, which is sex trafficking. Um, sex trafficking is actually utilized a lot through exploitation, and that is meeting people where they are in their trauma mindset, pull them into a life of exploitation through human trafficking. So all three of those words kind of tie themselves into one another, trauma and exploitation and sex trafficking. They're all grouped in together. Well, it's, it's helpful, and I know it's a, it's a really heavy start to the conversation, but I did want to, to help set the stage a little bit for where the conversation is going to go, because the work that you all do, uh, not getting too far ahead, is, is so powerful, but I, I also don't want those, those words to be kind of floating out there somewhere. So thank you. Thank you for defining that. Um, and if you would, uh, you know, please walk us through uh, your story you know, uh, prior to uh, the nonprofit starting. Before this nonprofit was in existence, I was a young lady that was on a track of pretty good life with two parents, the youngest of four siblings, and then trauma happened and my parents got a divorce, sent me out of town and I came back and my dad was no longer in the house. Well, when you start maneuvering in that area, you don't have the strength of the house there anymore. So my mom was working, single mom. Definitely supplied everything we needed uh, as children. So I had the latest fashions. I had all the things that a young lady would want, except for the love and attention of my mom, because she had her own issues with gambling and things of that nature. So it left me wide open to start exploring the world, uh, more so than I would have if I had a more structured home that I was used to. My brother uh, started exploiting me in such a way because he would have me do things that I didn't necessarily want to do as a young girl uh, and allow people to touch me inappropriately because he was indeed doing those things 
when my mother was away. So that was our little secret, you know. And in that, I learned how to mask pain, how to live through trauma, and how to allow those things to continue to pile up because as long as you treated me okay, you were nice to me, you didn't beat me up, you didn't take my things from me, you played with me in the games I wanted to play. And guess what? That was kind of one of those newfound freedoms for me uh, of what life is like without a dad being in the house. Fast forward some, that same model kept happening in my life where I was trusting people and ended up losing my virginity to a person that I knew that bricked us. Me and my cousin were going to a place and he ended up picking us up and we got in the car and they intended on raping us. My cousin jumped out the window and left me there. There was three other guys waiting outside of that door, but only the first guy took away my innocence. I learned again to use that same model of covering things up so that I didn't have to deal with the trauma. Then entered in the first start of marijuana usage, started to drink, started to be, you know, a little open with young men, learning myself, bullied in high school, bullied in grade school. So I was always trying to meet somebody's expectation of me. Fast forward a little more. I'm a 17-year-old girl with a baby strung out on cocaine um, and got introduced to my trafficker that way. My trafficker didn't have to really even begin to sell me much on the life that he had prepared for me because I was already trying to create a new life for myself from all the other trauma that I experienced that was unresolved. Mind you, I did have a lot of glimmer of hope in my life. I was really good in school. I graduated. I was able to maintain jobs on and off. But this new life was something that I wasn't prepared for. So when he introduced to me the ideal of us making money together, I thought that that was a really uh, wonderful idea. Plus, I needed some way to support my habit. And he happened to be my drug dealer. So that's what entered into the sex trafficking world, where there was a lot of things that I learned along the way. I learned how to utilize what I had to get what I want. I learned how to manipulate people. I learned how to live as trauma and just go for what the ultimate goal was. And that was pleasing the people that were around you. And that lasts for a couple of years. Then I went into rehab. And my family was always supportive. It's just that I didn't know how to go back and tell them all the things that were happening. That birthed into my life of wanting to be an advocate and an activist and doing everything I possibly can to support people that had those life interruptions, disruptions, and that had trauma unresolved and were being exploited for whatever reason led me to do with the things that I'm doing right now. What led me to a fresh start? Yes, you may have had trauma, but you can also have triumph. Yes, you may have been exploited, but you can also use that for your good. So that is what fresh start ended up birthing out of all of my pain, past trauma to triumph from being exploited to being an activist and now doing the work on the other end. Thank you, first of all, for for sharing that. Um, one of the questions that that um, is on my mind because it's it's just a foreign topic for some of us that are listening in, but we are on the edge of our seats as you're talking to us about your experiences. So you have firsthand experience with this, not you know pre and current uh, with the nonprofit, but how prevalent 
is sex trafficking in, you know, Wisconsin or in the Midwest? I mean, I, you, you and I live in Wisconsin, so we can start there. But what, what, how prevalent is this thing uh, locally here? In Wisconsin, we know that it is in all 72 counties. We do know that wherever there is someone that has vulnerabilities and need to feel loved and accepted and is in that targeted age being 13, that you certainly can be pulled into a life of exploitation very easily under the grooming process, which means that there's a high school, a middle school, and there's somebody being bullied, somebody that want to fit in, somebody that has a a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's telling them how to make quick money or how to be a part of something bigger than who they are. Um, it's easy for you to hide that in music and in other places, other than people believing that it's something out, out of a uh, SVU, like the Special Victims Unit, or somebody pulling up in a white van and snatching people in. Or those kind of things definitely happen. But the the most way people are pulled in is with the coercive yes. Because they're looking to get approval. Mm. If you talk about the average age being 13, and we know that it's younger, you just think about the time that you were 13, the time that you were 12 or 11. Yep. I remember those awkward times for you and what that felt like. You know, can people be exploited and pulled into the life of sex trafficking over the age of 18? Absolutely can. Manipulation and those kind of things end up happening to those that are 18 and older as well. It's just with under 18, there's no possible way that you can say yes to an exchange for anything of value. What are some things, what is some encouragement that you would have for those of us that are parents who are hearing this and we're like, oh no, they can't go to middle school. They can't go to high school. What would you be, uh, what would you encourage us with as parents um, to do it in the home um, as kids are, every kid is going to have awkward stages. Um, I remember mine were horrible in different part, parts of my uh, growth and upbringing. So as parents, what, what encouragement would you have for parents in their in their own homes uh, with their children? I would definitely tell them what we call kitchen table conversations, bring it into the table family style, right? Don't ever let something that's in your heart as a parent deter you from talking to your children about. I always say my rule of thumb is if you don't talk about it, the streets will, the songs will, the media will, um, the things they watch on TV. So it's better for you to talk about sex, sexual body parts, what they're used for, people, uh, manipulation. If you're having a bad time with a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you don't understand what's going on and they're asking you to do things that you're uncomfortable doing it, but they tell you to do it because if you love me, you would. You know, the first time that you lie to your parents about anything, the easier it is for somebody to manipulate you into doing other things. So just mm -hmm. let your children know, yeah, you might not have told me the first time, but I'm glad you told me now. He's in the opportunity for a child to be open and honest with you because that's the main thing that happened with me. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And because I didn't want to, I felt like I shouldn't tell them that. So that's why I mm -hmm. thrived in school so well. That's why I still did well in other places of my life because at least I had this as a trophy for your parent. But there are some parents that are exploiters. So then I tell those that, have exploited their children and now their children in foster care or being raised by second generational parents, meaning grandparents or aunts or something like that. But the same thing applies. You can tell when a child is going through something by just paying attention mm -hmm. to their actions, paying attention to um, you know, their behaviors. If you had a really sweet young lady or young man and they start to get very flip mouthed or 
hanging around different friends that you don't desire and, and it's kind of like you feel it, but you want to give them some autonomy or some freedom, don't interrogate, but ask questions. Sure. Hey, where did you meet them at? Hey, where's their parents? Hey, what are they, you know, wh- where, you know, what, what classes are you guys in? You know, ask the person that's coming around your house too, because a lot of times that's where the grooming process happens. The people come to your house so they can, lack of a better word, case a joint, making sure mm-hmm. who's in the house, who that they can use later on for leverage to make that person continue to do what they're doing. My trafficker used, knowing my family lived right next door to who was my best friend, was her brother. So he knew where I lived. He knew my parents. He knew my sisters. You know, so that was scary. So being involved, being intentional and creating an environment where people, can, where kids can uh, speak about mistakes without feeling, you know, tremendous amounts of shame and things like that. Cause you wanted to, you wanted to, um, show your parents, you wanted to prove to your parents that you were good. You didn't want to let them down. So you hid some of the actions. I, I'm glad that you, I, I think there was something there for all of us who are parents. I appreciate you, you sharing that. So, um, uh, how would you describe the mental state of someone who has gone through a traumatic experience? Well, for sure, I get the privilege of working with at-risk youth that have court ordered to a couple of facilities here in Wisconsin and in Dousman and in Milwaukee, where these young ladies lost trust. They have helpless or hopeless feelings, suicidal thoughts, uh, never feel like they'll amount to anything, thinking that this life is the only thing that they can do, that they're good at, because there's so much baggage with trauma. And if we understand trauma for what it is, and then we're talking about exploitation for what it is tied into sexual exploitation. All of those things are so heart wrenching that in order for that person to even thrive and believe that they're better than what somebody's always told them, it's positive affirmations and being truthful. You know, uh, my privilege to work with these young ladies, we have a group that's called the Next Steps Group. And what we do is talk about things that will happen. Now that you're here and away from your exploiter, away from the drugs, away from the glamour and the glitz and all the things that you found good about it. Talk to me now about how you feel and listen open-heartedly and tell them some of the things that they're telling you. Not to say you don't love that guy, this has never happened. Just hearing them out is, is the best way to get people through trauma because it was their experience. They felt it. They believed it. It hurts. You know, you don't ever believe that your life would ever change. I look at my life today and sometimes I wonder why God loved me so much to take me out of all of that hurt and bring me to a place of positivity. If anybody mm-hmm. is a poster child from living through trauma and being on the, on this side of, of the triumphant life that happens, I'm that person. But I still say I still have some things I struggle with now because of trauma that I let be unresolved for long periods of time. And that sometimes is still trust. Am I good enough? Why did they pick me? What do they want from me? All those things still try to rise up, you know, because of things that were unresolved and not having the proper people to help you through it. Let's enter into that nonprofit um, with Fresh Start Learning and uh, tell us about Fresh Start Learning Incorporated and how the organization comes alongside victims of these devastating moments in life, because I'm sure there's a lot that goes into that. We have a pre-product approach. We have outreach, which is our boots on the ground ministry. So we go out into the community where we know that there is ladies and young men that are still out there fighting to come off the street and utilizing survival sex exploitation to handle that drug addiction or somebody that's 
there utilizing them as capital gain. We're out there in the community handing out what's called the Purposeful Purse, which we have handwritten letters of love, the gospel message, and toiletries that for day-to-day use that maybe we might take for granted, like a toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, sanitary napkins, those kind of things and what you would need. We also have now, because of COVID, PPE bags that we hand out. So we hand out a mask, we hand out hand sanitizer, we hand out bag lunches, and we have that letter of love that's in there that nobody can buy. There's not a material cost on that, but it's a matter of the heart. So we keep just showing up. We keep showing up. And because we keep showing up, some ladies come off the street, which goes into our next phase, which is temporary housing. So that is our humble beginners drop-in location where we have a respite care from Friday through Sunday. But then after that, we have training opportunities, which helps the ladies that we work with and their families get legal assistance, healthcare assistance, job readiness programs, uh, housing, permanent housing, AODA treatment, mental health treatment with our collaborative partners. So it's the whole gamut. It's our stronger together approach and our warm transfer approach that makes our ministry uh, more successful because we don't leave anything out. And when it was me and when it was the young ladies that I work with, what do we want? By asking them, doing surveys, we take what they say to heart and work on programs that's going to work for the person that's sitting in front of us that trusts us with their life. What are some of the some of the goals of Fresh Start? You're sitting down to lunch with somebody and they hear about the nonprofit, you're talking about it, and they're like, okay, so how would you know that you were successful? What are some of the goals that that you know you you look for in this process along the way? Because they said it. So like when they come in off the street for a humble get beginners drop in location, we do what's called uh take off the old and put on the new. So when they come in, we have brand new pajamas for them. That's their first gift, their first love token that we give them coming in the door. We take a shower, we sit down and talk about barriers, we sit down and talk about things that they may need, we feed them a hot meal. Or we have what's called uh an affirmation board and they write up there the things that benefited them while they were there. If it was just a shower that they felt comfortable with because they haven't had one in a week, that's success. If it is because they want to go into alcohol and drug treatment, that's a success. Whatever it is that they say that they didn't have before they walked through the door is how we measure success. It's based upon the survey that they fill out and saying the things that we did well and the things that we need to prove upon. That's success because we always need to have an open and listening ear to those that you're assisting. They can't be cookie cutter. One approach doesn't fit everybody. So and downstairs at a lower level, I have a wall of letters and notes from the of the teenagers all the way up to the adults and our collaborative partners that wrote up letters or notes that saying, Hey, because of you, thank you for, we appreciate you. Mama Nancy, I love you. Whatever that reminds me, this is why I do the ministry, why we do the work, is because those moments right there are invaluable. So that is our goals and that's how we measure success by the people that we're serving, let us know that. <laughs> to hear you say that, it's kind of like, duh, of course. Like, But I'm so glad you said it because I'm thinking um, in different terms, but you very simplistically said, well, because that's what they say. And that's your goal. You're, you're serving a person. You're not serving uh, necessarily uh, you know, investors and things like that, that where it's a different mindset. And uh, and you're helping open our minds to its damaging effects and the, and the ramifications and what needs to happen um, with what you all are doing in, in order to untangle some of that. So uh, thank you for explaining it 
one thing that I do think all of us listening in can identify with are things like pain and loss. Now you, you see people at possibly their lowest moments in life. What are some lessons that you've learned along the way that leaders listening to our conversation need to understand and apply about those low moments, about pain and loss? Um, what, what are things that, lessons that you've learned along the way that, that leaders listening in can take away from this conversation? Use the harm reduction model. Meet people where they are. You know, uh, what we might consider the lowest point might be the highest point for them because, again, when they come through the door, they're not on the street. They're not in danger. They're not fearful. They finally trust somebody enough to see what else they could be. As a leader, I'm always convinced that if you lead in such a way that you'll be willing to follow your own instruction, then that's the best leader there is. If you believe that it worked because you tried it for yourself, and now you're telling somebody some of the tools that you use, give them an opportunity not just to give them the tool, but show them how to utilize the tool. When you've gone through so much pain in your life and so much suffering and you wake up in the morning and there's joy in the morning, but you remember that night before there was so much pain, talk to them about what you did, even if you have to break it down to the second of what I did. I cried first, then I wiped my eyes, then I thought about some good things. Then the time went, I reflected, I remembered, I projected the next day. And when I saw the next day, I did some things a little different. But we always make people understand dealing with traumatic issues that relapse is a part of recovery. Don't ever believe that you'll get through a year without something in your rearview mirror coming so close to your peripheral vision that it feels like it's going to attack you again. It's a memory that you don't need to forget so that way you don't end up back there again. As leaders in this industry that work with those that are being exploited, especially being a survivor leader, I never forget where I came from. I always keep that close to my my chest because I want people to understand that I haven't arrived. I'm here right now. And it's only by the grace of God, but I'm here right now to say there is a roadmap. I can show you some successful ways to do certain things, but I want you to put some things down here on paper that you see that are barriers that you see that you need help with. Because if I give you my roadmap, you might get lost. Leaders today sometimes forget that. You can't bring somebody into an establishment, whether or not they've been exploited or whether or not they've been incarcerated or whether or not they have not had any of the things that we talked about thus far. No domestic issues, none of that. They've pretty much straight laced and come to the door because they've never done the job before. That same leader needs to apply Mm -hmm grace period for you to make some errors and then to teach you how that kind of thing is true leadership that's so good um i'm that phrase relapse is part of recovery um i'm hearing the theme of empathy throughout like everything that you're that you're saying here you know being empathetic towards uh, people in a, in a posture of humility in order to love people well and uh give second and third and fifth chances um I've got uh, a couple more questions for you, Nancy. What can we do to help further your mission and, and how can those of us listening in get involved? So it's kind of a two-parter thing and take that wherever, you, wherever you'd wherever you like. I would definitely love for you guys to go to our website to stay connected because we have a free newsletter that comes out every month. It gives opportunity for you to know what we're doing, how we measure success, 
Uh, we have this segment called Street Talk where our surveys uh, from the people that we're serving, what they're saying, uh, what barriers we can help them with. We always need people to help with the purses that we distribute to either help with the monetary part of buying the items that go in, writing the letters of love, keeping us in your prayers. Certainly, I have a, a book that uh, I wrote about from, tra- from traffic to triumph of the exodus. It's a curriculum that we use as well. I am a certified trainer for what's called In the Game. It's an eight-hour training for anybody that wants to learn more about the red flags and warning signs of the grooming process to be able to support either their job that they're in or to support their family that they may have children, children's children, grandchildren, next-door neighbors that they're concerned about. So there's a variety of ways that you can help. We do have our link that you can become what's called a running start partner, meaning that you can give whatever amount you like to give on a monthly basis to help us to further our mission. You can come in and you can have the breakfast of champions with the ladies and bring, uh, you know, just an open heart prayer. Um, you could come to movie night, bring a movie, make popcorn, you know, and talk to the women because they're human beings. All they need is to have somebody to care enough to spend time, wrap their arms around them, uh, not literally, but spiritually and say, Hey, I'm here. We have outreach opportunities. If you're a person that like me, love outreach. You can be a part of the outreach opportunities. I always say just whatever is in your heart to do and you want to do it, we'll find space for you here because everything's needed. That's great. Uh, and as those of you that have listened to the podcast before know, but those of you who are new to the podcast need to know, uh, scroll down uh, to the show notes, whether you are listening to your computer or on your phone, uh, the links to uh, the, the websites and the book uh, that uh, that Nancy just mentioned. Um, so last question that I've got for you, Nancy, uh, what encouragement do you want to leave our listeners with today? Never believe that your life is without purpose. Always know that you were created to do something. Whatever that something is, it is great. You don't have to give up. Giving up is not an option. You know that you can do it, even if it takes you a lifetime. Every day gets greater if you want it to be. I encourage all leaders to be an example. Let your video match your audio. Don't say something and do something different. Don't do something to say something different. We need leaders that are willing to roll up their sleeves like they ask other people to roll up their sleeves, but also create leaders. A real leader creates other leaders to effectively continue to lead once they're off the scene. Well, Nancy, thank you. Um, I completely agree with what you just said. Leaders make other leaders because, you know, none of us are going to last forever. And there's significance in each of our uh, journeys, our lives and our, our missions. So thank you for that encouragement. Thank you also for taking time. Uh, to unpack not just your history, but the mission of the organization and uh, giving us some direction on how we can stay engaged. I've really enjoyed this and thank you. Thank you again for what you do. Certainly. Thank you so much as well. So please, if you have anyone that you believe is being exploited or you yourself have been exploited, please give us a call. We would love to help. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nancy. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much as well. Takeaway and action item. Takeaway. Let your video match your audio. I've never heard it put that way. 
and it is a great reminder. Let your video match your audio. Don't just say the words, match it with action. So action items, look around and use your strength, your giftings, your particular influence to serve those in need. And here are a few ideas because we aren't expected to change the whole world. We're expected to make an impact right where we're planted. So join a board, post on social media, on your social media feed about a local nonprofit and just tag them, show them some love. Ask someone that you trust where they donate time and money and who it is that they're donating to and why they do that. Or maybe even take some time Send a handwritten note to a local nonprofit leader just encouraging them to keep fighting the good fight. All right, so thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't taken time to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast, I would encourage you to do that. You can do that right in your smartphone. Click subscribe. It's a five-star rating. You can scroll down. You can write a review. You can also share it. So click that icon. You can share it to a friend or a colleague or put it on social media. We appreciate it big time. It helps us get better. It helps us get the word out as well. And if you are interested in other content similar to this, that's going to encourage you and challenge you and grow you as a leader, go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast for dozens of other episodes or because you're going to subscribe in your smartphone, you can see all the episodes there. And as always, from all of us here at CCB, Thank you for listening.